Grab a Bible, if you will, and open it to uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. And before I uh, read my text, I want to say two things. First of all, uh, last week you were a part of witnessing a uh, um, historic event. Um, it was Mother's Day, as you recall, and my wife had made me a, um, a uh, corsage. And the first time in 45 years of preaching uh, did I sneeze in the pulpit. So one of you decided that what I needed the most was a mask. And they left it in my chair, my, my pew this morning that, uh, how would I do? Would that look, would that look nice? Anyway, thanks uh, I'm, I'm, uh, of this, for this very thoughtful gift. <laughs> now, the other thing is, um, we're about to finish up the book of Galatians on Wednesday night. We've got three verses left in chapter 6. And there is a, a theme in those three verses that, that I think is uh, urgent to be heard. And if you're not, I know that it's uh, almost Memorial Day and, and everybody's got uh, some beach on their minds. But if you're not uh, on a beach or headed to the beach, I, I wish you would consider coming on Wednesday night, uh, these next two. Um, there's something that we need to talk about. And, and I, I hope to be able to bring clarity and and some direction over a subject contained in those three verses. So um, come be a part and, and just see, uh, you know, if, it's, if it bores you to tears, then stay home the next week. But uh, I think you need t- t- to consider what is, uh, what we're going to talk about Wednesday night. I hope to see you then. It's, it's pretty important stuff. Now, uh, you follow as I read, beginning at verse 15. I'm not going to read all the way to 28. I just changed this morning. So, um, um, actually, it wasn't this morning. It was earlier. But anyway, um, we're we're only going to read through verse 22. So you follow as I read. It reads like this. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law... Almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it it endures forever. Guys, this is not the right place nor the right time to enter into some kind of deep theological debate. And so I won't. But I do want to mention one thing concerning um, a theological position that you may have heard of before. It's called dispensationalism. It's a view uh, to which I do not subscribe. 
But dispensationalism divides up biblical history, all of redemptive history, into seven epochs or eras or periods of time or dispensations. Um, so all of the history in here is divided up into seven periods of time. We're right now living in number six. It's called uh, the Age of Grace. And there's one remaining. It's called the, uh, the Kingdom Age, which is to come later on. But that means that there are five dispensations that have gone by in the past. They've already done those. That's already happened. As a result of those five dispensations being completed, everything in those uh, dispensations are at least not as important anymore. Which means, ladies and gentlemen, that the Old Testament, which occurred back in one of those other dispensations, uh, not to say that it is, it is ignored, it's not ignored, but it is undervalued. And if not undervalued, it at least gets short shrift. I say that to say this, guys. If you, by some um, stroke of bad fortune, have um, been taught dispensationalism, the, the, the point is, texts like these, like the one that you find in Hebrews 9, is going to be very difficult for you to understand. Because Hebrews 9 is replete. It's full of all kinds of Old Testament allusions. For instance, verse 20 in, in chapter 9, verse 20 in this chapter, is a quote from Exodus 24. Um, verse 22 is a quote from Leviticus 17. Everything that you see as a backdrop of Hebrews 9 is something that is, has its origins in the Old Testament. You saw this, this mention of the, of the first covenant. You saw Moses, who was the mediator of the first covenant, who after he had given the law, he took blood and scattered it, etc. Gang, stay with me. I hope I haven't lost you yet. We're about to enjoy this sacrament, and in this sacrament are some words that are very similar to the words that you find in Hebrews 9. Jonathan Todd's going to be up here in a minute, and he's going he's to say words like these. He's going to say, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant in my blood. Do you see all that connections to Hebrews 9, covenant, blood, all that? Yeah. Those are six words, ladies and gentlemen. It begins with, an article, the, and then it goes to an adjective, new. Then the, the new covenant is a noun. In is a preposition. My is a personal pronoun. And then another noun, blood. Those six words I would submit to you could hardly be equaled in profundity by six, any other six words that I know of. But they all have, they're all alluded to in in Hebrews 9. Uh, for instance, look at verse 20, which says, um, the same way he sprinkled with the blood of the covenant. 
This is the blood of the covenant. But did you notice the difference? The word order is different. But it doesn't say new covenant. And it doesn't say my blood. There was blood of the covenant. But Jesus says there's a new covenant and it's ratified, it's sealed, not by goat blood, but by my blood. You see, guys, do you understand, do you see what's happened? We have all of this information that is given to us in the Old Testament that then gets fulfilled and enacted in the New Testament. And then, rest, and, and then the rest of the epistles are helping us understand what Jesus accomplished. So it gets predicted in the Old Testament, enacted by Jesus, and explained by the, by the epistles. This marvelous connectivity between Old Testament instructions, New Testament fulfillment, uh, fulfillment and New Testament explanations. Gang, I mean, there's so much in those verses that I read that we don't have time to take a look at, but, but the idea that blood was shed without it, there's no forgiveness of sins, that Jesus' blood is a sacrificial blood, but there's a vast difference. Did you see it? That blood that was shed in the Old Testament was the blood of goats and bulls. But Jesus says, this is the New Covenant, new covenant in in my blood. Oh yes, Moses was the, was the mediator of one covenant, but he's the mediator of the new covenant. All that sacrificial bloodletting in the Old Testament was simply predictive. A blood that would be shed not repeatedly, by the way, I didn't read that part. That's, that's down in, in verse 26, um, or 25, 26. And then he says, but it, he has appeared once and for all. That is, all that blood that was uh, shed again and again and again is just predictive of one final bloodshedding. But it wouldn't be goat blood. It would be my blood. Because this, you see, is the new covenant. This, this, this work had never been done before. Jesus is the one that will accomplish this new covenant. And it will be done, it will be sealed, it will be ratified. It will be consummated in my blood. Now, guys, I, I may have lost you in all that, and I'm sorry. I, I understand it's somewhat from here to there, but if you don't hear anything else this morning, I hope you'll hear at least this much. Do you see the marvelous unity of this book? You know, Steve Brown, one of my heroes, Steve once said, the Bible doesn't say much, but what it does say, it says it often. And what I'm saying is, this whole 
redemptive story was predicted in the Old Testament, enacted in the New, and explained later in the New. One story, one message, predicted in the Old, enacted in the New, explained later on in the New Testament. This whole book is about that. If you don't hear anything else, hear that this is such a marvelously unique and unified book about one subject. And here it is. It's in six words. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now, secondly and finally, here's the other thing that I hope you'll walk away with. You are about to participate in something that is not some dry, spooky church ritual. There is a sense in which, ladies and gentlemen, you are about to participate in something that is as old as Genesis chapter 3. Remember, that's the first place that blood was shed so that sin could be covered, Adam and Eve's. And so from that moment on, Genesis 3.21, blood being shed, blood, 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 blood. And now we come to the New Testament and there's, there's no more bloodshed because there was one final act of bloodletting. But it was in my blood. Not just blood. My blood. And there's no forgiveness of sins unless there's blood being shed. That's an Old Testament piece of instruction fulfilled by the Savior that we've come to worship this morning. I wonder how many words that I've used in the last 10 minutes. I didn't count them. But let's say there's 1,400. All 1,400 of them simply designed to explain six. This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed once for the remission of sins. That's what you're about to do. Participate in an event that celebrates the one central message of the entire book. Come meet with us. Let's pray. Our Father, I, I pray that you will uh, remind your people that what we're doing here is not some kind of idle uh, piece of spookiness. But what it is is uh, the great emblem of all that the gospel stands for. The gospel that Jesus Christ instituted and sealed the new covenant by the shedding of his blood for the remission of the sins of the many. Lord, meet us here, and might we leave here with a heart warmed by the knowledge that you have been planning this ever since Genesis 3, and it now is on display in a simple sacrament. Do that, Father, for Jesus' sake.